Hello, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, with Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And as of this recording, I am in the editing stages of the Amity Villar Killer, which is a short film that will be part of the feature omnibus film titled Amityville Aliens, produced by Donald Farmer, which is looking at a 2024 release. I'm going to have it, uh, my deadline is December of this year, so I'll kick that down to him. I'm also editing uh, Shino's Feratu, which is a vampire film um, that I wrote and directed as well, and that should be out by the end of this year or beginning of 2024, depends on how everything floats. And um, after that, I'm going to take a little break, so we'll see where we go from there. Kind of changing jobs and doing some different things, so, you know, uh, want to be able to do things that I enjoy and that give me back things in return. And right now, it seems like the films are kind of slowing down. Um, not a lot of people have been ordering the Blu-rays and all that, so it's a little discouraging, so I'm just going to kind of see where that goes, so... Once again, you can always pick up my Blu-rays if you want to support me. That's a great way to do it. So, All right, well, as of this recording, we are now getting close to the end of the podcast run. We are on episode 155, film 171, Helter Skelter. It's the USA title, DVD title. It's a 2000 production. Uh, its alternative titles is Helter Skelter Part 1, Pleasure and Pain. Before I go any further, all information is taken from the book Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. Um, production company, of course, is One Shot Productions and Casey Yip Productions out of the USA for both. Theatrical distributor, Subrosa Studios. Uh, timeline on this shooting date is 2000, just straight 2000. Uh, U.S. copyright date. For Subrosa Blue is 2004 and was released on DVD March 30th of 2004 from the Subrosa Blue DVD release. I have it as a um, double feature of Helter Skelter and Dr. Wong, the Jess Franco collection, and um, yeah, SRS Cinema, so Subrosa Studios. So, all right. Um, Running time on this film is 83 minutes, 13 seconds. Of course, the director, we know who that would be. That's why we do this podcast. Jess Franco, writer Jess Franco, based on the novels of the Marquis de Sade, supposedly. Executive producer, Kevin Collins. Producers, Tommy Chase, Saul Klink, Kevin Collins, Casey Yip. Associate producer, Peter Ivanko. Direct sound, William Van Bergen. Director of photography, Emilio Skarskowski. Actually, Jess Franco. Music, Jess Franco, Alan Petit, Daniel J. White. Um, first assistant director, Lena Romay as Rosa Amorel. Production assistant, Alfredo Gutierrez. Uh, he's got art director, electrician. He's got on here stills, makeup, uh, special effects, technical supplies, lab, digital sound editor, and additional credits, a sh- shot website, uh, whatever. All right, cast. Lena Romay as Madame Champville. Mavi Tinda as Cassandra Lee plays the role of Madame Champville's bisexual lover. That's a great title. Uh, Ezekiel Caldas as Ezekiel Cohen plays the male lover. Anelia Avars 
brunette in slow motion cutaways, and Raquel Cabra as Rachel Shepard plays the blonde in slow motion cutaways. I'm going to read the synopsis because it's so short. Um, we usually read that on the other end, but I'm going to knock it out on here. Reclining on the sofa at her Paris home, a lesbian dominates. I'm sorry, a lesbian dominatrix and brothel madam, who may or may not be the Marquis de Sade's Madame Champville, muses over recent events, in particular her acquisition of a young punkette whom she has seduced into sapphic servitude. Flashbacks to her sexual encounters with the punkette are intercut with memories of the two women of, of two whores who enacted a variety of softcore sadomasochistic charades for the delectation of their madam. One day, Champville found her punkette girlfriend in the arms of a man. So incensed was she by his betrayal that she tortured the man while the girl watched in horror. Still furious, Champville stabbed her lover to death and killed the man. As the film ends, we see Madame Champville swatting her own vagina with a leather whip. That's the whole film. <laughs> well, can I have four to look forward to? Yikes. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. Uh, Helter Skelter is a patchwork of insepid lesbian sex scenes and torpid flagellation dragged over, dragged out to feature length with leftovers from earlier productions such as Dr. Wong's Virtual Hell and Vampire Blues and sprinkled with a pretentious voiceover quoting extensively from the Marquis de Sade. An empty and tiresome as anything in Franco's whole career, it has nothing to offer the attentive viewer, and along with La Crypta de la Condenastas 2009, marks the natter of Franco's later output. The film takes its title from a Beatles track, but nothing in the subject of the film chimes either with the lyrics or the savagery of that song. Hippie cult leader and psychopath Charles Manson used the words helter-skelter in relation to his vision of an imminent race war, and one of his acid-frazzled followers dabbed the phrase in a victim's blood at a murder site. None of this strikes a meaningful spark with the Franco film either. Instead, helter-skelter is a smorgasbord of irrelevances. References to books, paintings, and comic strip art float around the film without coalescing into anything persuasive or intelligent. Franco has always been fond of the random juxtaposition. As far back as Necronomicon 1967, he'd been slapping together unrelated elements using the syntax of editing to tease the viewer into laps of association. At least Necronomicon was self-consciously a parody of the 1960s art movie and what Franco regarded as its mannered grasping for significance. Here the project itself is so bereft of significance that the gambit of throwing together random art references has no context and no visual beauty or satirical wit to fall back on either. The on-screen title of the film is Helter Skelter Part 1, Pleasure and Pain, so it would seem that the numerous quotations from the Marquis de Sade are meant to form the backbone of the film. Yet they are so incoherent, so contradictory, and so mismatched to the image that I wonder whether it was really Franco who added them. Did he supervise the voiceover himself and select the quotations, or were they struck on or were they stuck on in post-production by the producers? Note that the credits mentioned in American post-production facility, Sunstone Video in New Jersey. The English-language voiceover is delivered by an actress so impervious to nuance that she'd swear she'd open the book for the first time just seconds before the mic was switched on. Numerous fluffs and errors of phrasing indicate that this unrehearsed voice artist is having great difficulty tracking Saad's convoluted sentence structure. Still, 
Who cares, huh? It's only a Just Franco movie. Uh, the quotes come from four texts by the Marquis de Sade. La Nouvelle Justine, Florville and Courval, The 120 Days of Sodom, and a letter from the Marquis to his wife, dated September 1783. And as dumb luck would have it, all the material turns up in the 1966 Grand Press edition of The 120 Days of Sodom. Short story, Florville and Courval, was included in its entirety. Quotes from La Nouvelle Justine can be found in the Prefactory Essays by Pierre Kosowski and Simone de Breveau. And the letter to Sade's wife, or Saad's wife, is also quoted by de Breveau. If you were of a suspicious nature, you might wonder if that means that the Sadean themes of Helter Skelter were purely from the act of thumbing through the Grove Press volume looking for random stuff to blurt over the images. The film begins with a quote from La Nouvelle Justine. Yes, my friend, yes, I adore, abhor nature. I detest her because I know her well, aware of her frightful secrets. I have fallen back on myself, and I have felt. I have experienced a kind of pleasure in copying her foul deeds. These words embody a fascinating contradiction. In many instances, Saad sang the praises of acting in accordance with one's nature with cruelty a natural law hence though he has a libertine character who hates nature despises it yes dedicates his life to the reproduction of its grossest excesses is this not a maddening conundrum one of the many warning wearing contradictions and feathered incoherences which pepper sod's work you would think that a lifelong reader of sod might use a quote like this as a path toward visualization his notions of nature and evil so does franco respond creatively does the quote find so much of a kindred image not in your life it's delivered over a shot of anelia avars doing a sexy dance the raging fever of the sedan mind reduced to a shimmy in a see-through frock such is the dialect of helter skelter franco simply drizzles the text willy-nilly over the surface of the film like a careless drunk relieving himself on a laboratory floor too cruel I suppose the material from the 120 Days of Sodom does have some connection to the character played by Lena Romay, inasmuch as described a character of Madame Champville. Franco goes on to use a sizable chunk of Sod's description of the woman, one of the storytellers who entertained the four libertines during the debauchery which takes up the majority of the 120 days. In fact, he removes just a single line, mentioning her blonde hair. I think it's fair to assume that Romay is meant to be playing a modern Madame Chanvel, or else why remove a line just because it contradicts her physical appearance? On the other hand, we do get a reference to Chanvel's flabby withered ass, a far from accurate description of Romay's well-preserved rear end. From Floredale and Corvel, we get three quotes, two of which are worth repeating here. And deep in my heart, a secret voice cries out, saying that, for me, all the happiness is but a shadow which will vanish like the flower which blooms and withers in the space of a single day. Therefore, do not accuse me of being capricious, nor say that I am growing cold or indifferent, Monsignor. And the second, my own guilt is an excess of sensibility, an unfortunate tendency to see things in the most sinister light possible, the cruel result of my reverses of fortune. Needless to say, none of this strikes any meaningful echo in the film. Saad's short s story is a cat's cradle of devious and unlikely narrative twist designed to get the orphaned heroine into unwitting sexual 
relations with her estranged son, her long-lost father, and her previously unimagined brother. Its incest played as black farce, with the heavy irony so typical of sod in storyteller mode. Does Helter Skelter bother itself with the sick charms of the source material? Of course not. There's no implication of incest, no sobbing virtue tricked into sinfulness, and no way of squatting, of squaring the narrator's excess of sensibility. With the louche sexual behavior of the characters in Helter Skelter, you might as well read aloud from a jelly copper novel for all the differences it would make. But when Franco goes on to quote Saad's letter to his wife, it really is the limit. If this speaks to Franco's sense of self, it's a pity that there's no through line to the screen, because Helter Skelter is not imperious nor inspirational, and in it's no compelling way extreme. It's just a slapdash and tedious, bogus experimentalism. Those for whom Franco is always a man with a plan, a method to his madness, may find this remarks unpalpable. And of course, if you feel like it, you can bang an imperative hammer against the components of Helter Skelter until they fuse into some kind of shape, albeit dictated, let's be honest, by your own perspiring effort. Instead of doing that, I'll end with a quote from the same book used throughout Helter Skelter, the Grove Pro. The Grove Press edition of the 120 Days of Sodom. It's from Simone de Bourne's essay, Must We Burn a Sod? And in taking it, it talks with Sod's reputation in French literature and history. One must glance through heavy, detailed works on the ideas of the English century, or even the sensibility of the 18th century, with, without, one, without once coming upon his name. It is understandable that as a reaction against this scandalous silence, Saad's enthusiasts have hailed him a prophetic genius. They claim that his work heralds Nietzsche, Sterner, Freud, Freud, and surrealism. But this cult founded, like all cults, on a misconception by defying the divine marquis only betrays him. All right. Music. Uh, the opening credits are accompanied by Daniel J. White's monologue, Por Saxo Tenor, from Monologue Por, 1972, tronically treated with the same device used on Michelle Bauer's voice for Lust, of, Lust for Frankenstein, 1998. We also hear White's Overtone Number 2 from the library compilation LP Grands Ors de Norte Temps, 1976. Later, his monologue por Vera is layered over itself and the superimposed with his monologue por Saxor Tenor, discord lesbian interlude between Romeo and Tinda. Most strikingly, Alan Petit contributes four recordings for solo electric guitar, which veer from traditional bluelessness to exciting feedback lunacy. As a loyal participant and long-standing supporter of Franco's vision, his recordings deserve a better platform. Location, Malaga. And finally, Connections. A close-up detail of the sun in Caspar David Friedrich's painting Easter Morning, uh, circa 1828 to 1835, appears under the opening credits. Later on, we see the whole picture, a haunting landscape showing three women walking down a sparsely wooded road at dawn, often interpreted as mediation on the biblical theme, three women on the morning after Jesus' death, taking jars filled with spices and balm to care for his body. It's one of the most celebrated paintings by this Lutheran artist, who once wrote, the noble person recognizes God in everything. Quite what has what quite what this has to do with sadomasochistic lesbians and the Marquis de Sade is anybody's guess, but it sure is a pretty picture. Franco also cuts two images drawn from the work of Alfredo Alfonso Aspiri, an artist for the comic book Heavy Metal. 
whose most famous character was a gigantic buxom female goddess called Lorna. And Camille Pissarre's painting, Rue Saint Honore, Dans l'Apprisimiti, Effet de Pleur, 1897, suggests a link to France, homeland of the divine Marquis. Picasso preferred painting rural subjects, but turned his hand to cityscapes for his apparent window into Paris when he was forced by illness to move there for treatment. In 2000, when Helter Skelter was made, Franco was still mobile and reasonably healthy. Within five or six years, he would begin to have difficulty walking, and by the turn of the decade, he spent most of his time in a wheelchair, cooped up in his apartment, as Picasso had been. We see close-ups of Paul Kesha's revolving house, a cubist work painted in 1921, according to the Museo Nacional Thyssen Bormesnisa in Madrid. Uh, Klee paints, presents his vision of the city through a series of buildings projecting from an imaginary central axis over which they appear to revolve. Quite how Klee's vision of the city dovetails with a film that lacks any location. Filming is a challenge to interpretation, but hey, dig the reference to cubism. On the coffee table during Lena Romay's scenes in an A4 print of the most famous, indeed one of the only, classical nudes in Spanish painting, Venus at her mirror, a.k.a. the Rockberry Venus by Diego Velasquez. At one point, Franco cuts from a bare bottom being spanked to a close-up detail of the Rockberry Venus's rear, in which case, surely spanking Venus would have made a better title than Helter Skelter. We also see Lena browsing through Letre. Cares de Terre, a book on Spanish horror cinema edited by Alberto Santos. On the cover, though scarcely legible in the film, are pictures of Juanito Molina, Nabisco Ares, Sorrente, um, and Jess Franco. The belt with large metallic discs worn by Marfi Terra and Lina Romay in the film were previously seen in the treasure chest belonging to Doc Martin in Broken Dolls. Other versions. When reissued on DVD in 2010, a duplication error resulted in approximately two minutes of the film being shit skipped. This occurs during the credit sequence and does not distract from the film's sexual content, although it does mean the screen credit for the Marquis de Sade goes missing. Alright, so there is that on the writings of Helter Skelter. Alright, let me do some little quick plugs here before we go to the uh, second half of the deal. Um... As far as I could tell, and it should be going through, um, uh, guest reviewer on this returning is a longtime collaborator in the Franco Observer podcast and reviewer, Miss Colicini from L.A. So she'll be uh, joining me for the review portion and talking about Helter Skelter. I know she had asked to do this episode a while back, so um, she's going to come on board here. And I'm not sure if this will be her last one before the end of the run or what. I've got a few more episodes left, and I might just knock those out. So we'll see how we go. Uh, all right. So you know that um, if you listen to these podcasts, you know a filmmaker, like I talked about in the top half of the show. And I have two films playing on Tubi, uh, the film Lady Hyde and the film Mondo's Sacramento 2. If you want to support me, it doesn't cost anything. Watch those films one time, numerous times. Let them play in the background, whatever. Every time they play, I get a little bit of money, so that helps. Uh, if you want to donate, on the Red Circle homepage of the Frank Observer Podcast, there's a donation button there for one time or reoccurring. Please feel free to help out your loyal podcaster and filmmaker. I'm very independent and self-financed, uh, so if you can help me out, I'd appreciate it. 
Uh, you can also subscribe. I know we only got about uh, like six or seven episodes left or so until it changes and maybe turns into something else. But uh, you can always subscribe to the podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher no longer. That's a rest in peace company. And uh, Radio Public and your other favorite um, podcast platforms. Uh, you can also leave a review and rate the podcast. Hopefully positive. Appreciate that. Uh, since I'm zero budget, micro budget filmmaker and podcaster, tell a friend. I have no money for advertising. So if you want to help spread the word of the podcast, of Desperate Visions Productions, of Jason Rudy, Lady Hyde, Manuel and Sin City and that stuff, tell a friend about it and uh, tell them to watch it, tell them to buy, do all that stuff. Keep it to yourself. It's the worst thing you can do. Spread the word. Spread it. Spread it well. Just like Frank likes to do, spread it. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can. Uh, by email, I'm at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com. Uh, if you want to buy any of my Blu-rays, we have uh, Mondo Sacramento, the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1, and the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 2. Uh, we also sell a nudie cutie double feature featuring The Desires of Dawn and Mondo Visions. We're also selling Lady Hyde, Emmanuel and Sin City, Sukibon Octopus Pot. So we got those seven Blu-rays for sale. Uh, if you want to get a hold of those, you can. You can write me once again at francoobserver at yahoo.com or desperatevisions at yahoo.com. And I'll either ship them from the home base here or if you're international outside of the United States, we have a storefront that ships all over the world at a good price. And um, yeah, so I know we got a lot of listeners listening all over the place. Uh, these are region-free Blu-rays, so you can play them on your player. Don't have to worry about any A, B, or C regions. They're region-free. And got audio commentary by myself. And we have a lot of special features on each disc. So please feel free to support me and to buy some product. That's the way that keeps me going. Because, you know, things cost money. And, uh, you know, keep a roof over my head and keep me doing some of this art. Definitely need some money coming in. I, I can't just spend it all myself and uh, finance it all. So if you can, please help me out. Thank you. All right, we'll hang out, and you'll hear the little commercial we recorded a while back for the Blu-rays, and after that, you'll hear the review for Helter Skelter by myself and Kali. Buenas noches, maha. Buenas noches, maha. This is filmmaker Jason Rudy with Desperate Visions Productions, and I'm here today to talk to you about my Blu-ray releases. All new this year, 2023, from Desperate Visions Productions. This has been a busy year for me, as I have put out Lady Hyde on streaming services, Emmanuel and Sin City on streaming channels, and my film from 2013, Mondo Sacramento 2, which is on streaming channels. Lady Hyde is on Tubi and Amazon Prime. Emmanuel and Sin City is on the Reveal Network and a few other streaming channels. And Mondo Sacramento 2 is on Tubi and Momitu. So please check those three titles out and tell others about them. On the Blu-ray front, I am here today to talk to you about the six new releases 
from Desperate Visions Productions. We have the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1, titled Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions. It has four short films, totaling 117 minutes long, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process, Volume 1, interview by Cameron Cloutier of yours truly, Jason Rudy, talking about my filmography and stories behind the films. On Dirty Deeds and Desperate Visions, Volume 1, we have the films Room 412 from 2007, The Last Road to Hell from 2008, Chump Change from 2010, and The Dirty ABC Rhyme from 2016. On the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 2, we have titled Demon Dames and Desperate Visions, we have the films Lady M from 2010, The Hunt for Super Fox from 2014, Simone La Femme de Monde from 2015, and Report 2057 from 2016. That runs approximately 116 minutes, is unrated, and has the special feature of the Creative Process Interview Part 2, which is a continuation um, of the past films and all that good stuff. Also, we have a late night nudie cutie cinema double feature featuring two films, two nudie cutie films from yours truly, uh, titled The Desires of Dawn and Jason Rudy's Mondo Visions. The Desires of Dawn is from 2014 and runs 66 minutes unrated. And Mondo Visions is from 2016 and runs 65 minutes, and that is unrated. Total running time on that is 131 minutes. It's 1080p, high-definition widescreen, and all discs are AVC encoded and PCM stereo. And these two films each have audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy. I give uh, brand new audio commentaries recorded specifically for these Blu-rays. The Desires of Dawn was previously on VHS, uh, excuse me, on DVD. Monovisions had a short theatrical run, but this is the first time anywhere it's on home disc in the United States or worldwide. So yeah, brand new film, so check it out. And we also have, of course, Lady Hyde from 2022. It's unrated, runs 78 minutes, is 1920 by 1080 p full HD resolution, AVC encoded, PCM stereo, and that has the special features of audio commentary with writer-director Jason Rudy, theatrical trailer, and a Lady Hyde behind-the-scenes photo gallery. And, uh, yeah, it's a good release. All these are region-free, by the way, so if you're listening to this anywhere in the world, they are available to play on your Blu-ray player. There's no region A, B, or C. They're all encoded to be region-free. And finally, the last two discs we have are Emmanuel in Sin City, the uncensored version. A lot of uh, Tubi and Amazon Prime would not take it because of the sexual content, so this is totally uncensored, totally uncut, and was deemed too erotic and extreme for major streaming channels. But you will see it here on Blu-ray. And that has, of course, special featured audio commentary with myself, Jason Rudy, trailer reel, and uh, exclusive behind-the-scenes photos, and more. 
So that's from 2023, which is the newest film. And finally, uh, the sixth release, which we just put together, is Mondo Sacramento from 2011, I believe. No, sorry, 2012. And that's 63 minutes, unrated. Special features, audio commentary, recorded specifically for... Actually, no, it's the... um, the audio commentary that we used for the DVD release of it years ago with uh, actress Boots Trader, who's in the Batgirl segment, and actress Sondal G, who is in the Ricky the Vampire of Sacramento segment. So we have, uh, and then of course with myself as well, so we have writer, director, and uh, actor commentary on that. And then we have uh, a never-before-seen behind-the-scenes footage um, that I found for the Batgirl stripper sequence that uh, was pretty cool. Nobody's ever seen that before, so that's a special feature on that. And a behind-the-scenes pictures of the filming and of the premiere of Mondo Sacramento back in 2012. And, uh, yeah, so that's available. All six releases, which is 13 films total are now released on Blu-ray, and they are sold by myself, the director and producer of the films. If you are interested in picking up any of the Blu-rays, they sell for $20 each, plus shipping and handling if you're ordering them online or anywhere outside of Sacramento. Uh, If you want to have information on that, you can always find me and inquire about purchasing the discs on the Franco Observer page on Instagram, the Franco Observer page on Facebook, or you could write me at DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com. That's DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com, which is the Desperate Visions Productions email address. Um, And if you want to purchase all six in one swoop, I will give you a discount, and uh, pretty much the discount you save will pay for the shipping and handling. So, yeah, please support fellow independent cinema. And this is a one-man operation, so I sincerely appreciate your support. So, yeah, once again, Emmanuel in Sin City, Lady Hyde, Mondo Sacramento, The Late Night Nudie Cutie Cinema Double Feature, and the short films of Jason Rudy, Volume 1 and Volume 2, all available on Blu-ray, disc, region-free, with lots of special features. So pick them up today, DesperateVisions at Yahoo.com. Thanks for your support, and I'll see you at the movies. We are back with episode 155, film 171, Helter Skelter. And um, this film, Helter Skelter, was probably less painful than the actual Helter Skelter killings, I would I would think. So, um, mm, and, and, a, and a place where the Helter Skelter killings happened was in Los Angeles, and that's where my guest comes from today, once again joining us, the incredible, the talented Kali Sini. How are you today, Kali? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. 
So yeah. I think we finally agreed on our view of a Franco film because it seems <laughs> like um, in a minute. Yeah, I usually dislike the bad ones, and you always find something nice to say about them, and you're usually like on board with a few things. But I think on this one, we're both in the same boat of having disliked this film. What say you? Uh, absolutely insufferable. Just, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, just to make sure that I'd watched it because it was really hard to watch um, and like give my full attention to, you know, it's like your phone starts just screaming at you, like, pick me up, play with me. Cause you just are like, I can't with like, it's just, it's so hard to, to, to even watch that dribble. Then I, I took a bath and I had to listen to this playlist I've been making. So I, I just like watched it again with like the music playing and I still had a hard time. Like, but it, it was better with my music, which is, I know, dicky to say, but with what do you call it? Dicky? I just, I just said dicky. Uh, uh, dickish to say, um, you know, about, a, <clears throat> um, you know, Franco's music. Cause I mean, at least that's the one. It's basically a giant music video. Yeah. But it was sort of more funny, like when I, it was my music than when it was like, I was like, Oh, this is almost one of those things I could do with the background. But even then it was just so bad. Just it's like slow motion and <clears throat> Lena, Jesus. I mean, love her forever, but Christ, she looks haggard in this. And all the short haired, butch like chicks, just, you know how I feel about that. So I don't know. I just was not feeling any of it on any level. It was just so not sexy. It's like a master class at how not to fuck. Just yeah, you can describe it, but that's my like. Well, here's here's a question I ask you. Me and you are different in the sense where you always get quote unquote um, turned on by the Franco films. Were you even turned on in the least in this film? Oh, fuck no, no. <laughs> like I said, it's literally a master class yeah. at how not to fuck. Like they, yeah. they like it's like they're actually trying to not have pleasure. But pretending to, it's, it's painful to watch. Like, I just, I'm like, you, you're spanking her with the dildo. That's not what you do with a dildo. Like, right. there's so many just like, why won't just fuck somebody actually have sex? Like, they're just like, you know, making out and kissing and like rub, like not even rubbing their shit together. It's just like, it's, 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 it's like, you just want to reach through the screen and be like, you know, shove like genitals together or like stick the hand up the pussy or like, you know, just do something to make the person actually get off. If I have to watch you try to get off for an hour and however long that was, it was just like, holy shit. Like Lena, like girl, you have been fucking for like, forever you're like you know the queen of of like your the magic tongue and yet you still don't ever do anything like i just i don't get how she doesn't learn eventually how to fuck i don't know so you didn't like her um uh rubbing her pussy and fucking the long white boot in the film <laughs> oh god that was so late it's almost like she was trying to take off the person's boot you know how you kind of like straddle the boot and grab the heel and pull it off i thought she was doing that at first and i saw she was like rubbing her pussy up against the like folds of that of that uh, yeah i mean they're sexy velvet. boots but that's not supposed to make you want to fuck the boot i mean i know people have foot fetish but it wasn't really like that it was i mean those were really amazing fucking boots i will give right. that that they went all the way to the ass cheeks that was really impressive those were really great that, that opening shot you know and they're like quoting the marquis de sade and 
you know, it like seemed like it had promise, right? Like the yeah. first, like, you the know, first two minutes, minutes were like good. Yeah. Yeah. The first two of the first couple minutes were like, okay, this might be good. And then it's like, wow. And it's crazy that I was like telling you just go ahead and watch like, you know, his auths movies or whatever. And, and like, just don't let me make sure to get me on Helter Skelter. Cause you know, being, yeah, I know you can't watch this one way back girl, when. Yeah. Yeah. I know this was like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like months ago, I was like, I just, I want to get Helter Skelter. Cause you know, I would like, you know, I, I live in LA. It's like, you know, we got the, it's once upon a time in Hollywood out here. So I was thinking that'd be cool, but there's, nothing to do with how like nothing to do with nothing to do with the Beatles, nothing to do with uh charles manson nothing yeah nothing not 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 even like there's no reason to reference halter sculpture i mean there's like a little bit of so-called s&m but i mean not i mean it's just lena like hitting herself with a whip and then supposedly stabbing somebody with a crooked knife what even was that it was like a crooked like a, a curled knife that she like they don't even show her actually stabbing it in it's just like her hand goes down and you're supposed to yeah that somehow this crooked knife went into that was very strange but yeah there's not any like yeah the the, the weird snm stuff is not i i never i've never really understood the whole hurt pain thing i get that that's the whole marquita sod thing that jess is obsessed with but i don't know what he was going for in this one it just was so jesus this was the worst like the worst franco movie i've ever seen by mile like just i don't know yeah i would say uh fellow cresto is probably uh vampiros lesbos compared to this right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for real yeah would um, rather watch that a million times or like I never want to see it. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna I mean, I have my whole Franco collection. I will delete this off my computer, like and all my files, like I don't even need to Yeah, before I started this podcast, my whole thing was to be a Franco collector and to physically own all of his films. And then once this podcast is over and I'm done like watching all of his stuff, I'm gonna go through and I'm gonna sell a lot of my later era Franco stuff because it's just I'm just like this film. I'm never watching it again. I'm gonna sell it. It's just so bad. You know, I'm I'm good. You know. I was thinking about like, I mean, because it's been a minute since we've you know I know you've you've been doing podcasts with other folks and stuff, and I've I've been thinking about like. God, he's like in this era and he's deep in here. And I was remembering, I, I know I've talked a few times about Kyle from Letterboxd who watched every single Franco. I remember like when he gets to the end, like his reviews are just like, it, it's like his mental health is struggling. And, and I was like, I wonder how Jason's doing. You know, I was like, as I was watching this movie today, I was like, I wonder if Jason's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that month break. So, you know, you're kind of like, at least you had like a brain break. But like, if you're, now, like deep in this, I'm just like, oh my god! I hope yeah, you're right. I've I've got I like about six films left uh, of his to do, and then that's it. But like I was saying, these last oh, wow. these last ten episodes or so have been really difficult to do. There's been one or two decent films that I've actually kind of liked, but nine out of ten are just terrible fucking films. There, I mean, I've seen first-time directors do better films than these, and it really hurts me because I love Franco, and he's such a beautiful and great filmmaker. And to see him do some of these films, I admire that he was staying busy and keeping his craft and his work going. But like, 
to see these films, you're just like, dude, it's like, it's like I was saying, it's almost like seeing your ex-girlfriend who you know is amazing go out with these total losers and she's just lowering her standards so bad. You just, you just so, part of you is hurt, part of you is ashamed, part of you is just, just everything about it. You're just, it's so fucking terrible. Yeah. You know? Jesus. So like with this film, one thing that really, it's it's hard to watch. It really is. It's like, I mean, you think of his like great films, you know, Oh yeah. it's hard not to like think of like the majesty that once was. And then to get to this level is just why, like what was going on in his mind and what the fuck is Lena doing? And just all of it is just, it's just so confusing. A while back, I I said that it's like a relationship where it starts off really good, and then by the end, you're just like trying to get out, and it's just like each time is just getting worse and worse, and you're just like looking for an excuse to get out, you know. But you gotta like try to do the right thing and to see if you can salvage it, and that's how I'm with this podcast. Staying together for the kids. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, oh my god, do I have to be another? Another week of this, you know, but um, so going back to the film, one thing that really bugged me and that just was so unnecessary was the female narrator and the looping of her dialogue and the repeating of words and the saying the same shit over. to three inches when erect. Yeah, she kept saying, um, I abhor nature because I know her well. I know her well. I abhor it just over and over. It's like, shut yeah. the fuck up. Dude. That, that's all the mark you decide. It's just, they're just yeah. Right, it's right, just, right. It's endless, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 she says the same thing over and over, and it's just like, just stop. Like, why are you trying? There's, there's never, there's uh, for anybody listening. If you're still listening for some reason, um, uh, <laughs> they're probably like, okay, don't watch it and turn off the podcast. But, but, um, but the, uh, there's no, no words. There's no like, there's like, no on-screen dialogue. There's, yeah, there's no dialogue at all on screen. It's just all. Um, <clears throat> it's like Jess's music, and then uh, Lena. I, 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 I mean, I didn't want to say having sex because it's not. She's not even having sex. She's just like pretending to. It's like, God, it's so awful. So what he did was he took footage from Doctor Wong's Virtual Hell, footage from Vampire Blues, and some footage shot for this of the girl with the boots, and just basically put all that together and made a film out of it with narration and music and all that stuff. You know, um, I don't know if you've watched Dr. Wong or watched vampire blues, but if you watch those two, you'll see the shots and, and some B roll footage and stuff with those actresses that he used just that footage of to make this film, you know, and just like recycling shit to make some coin. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what it was. Um, all the stuff of the girl dancing in the beginning. That's, um, Anelia Evars, like in that black kind of negligee, that's from uh, Dr. Wong, and then the girl chained up, and then Lena chained that guy up, it's from Vampire Blues and Dr. Wong, and it's just, all that shit's just put together. Yeah, it was like weird how there was like stuff where it seemed like like it wasn't like Lena was supposed to be looking at something and it seemed like what she was looking at wasn't even in the same room it was like one video and then another video (laughs) Yeah. It's just absurd. And, and this this yeah, and no air- one was attractive. No one was attractive and that was that was like what was, you know, like yeah. I mean I'm sorry to be so shallow with that shit, but it's like, you know, you don't really want to watch like I mean, Lena, like how old is she? Like 15? Well she she was only forty six when this was made. Really? Yeah, that's what I read. Well, yeah, I'm aging better than Lena. Holy shit, that's great. Lena's but ass looks good in this, but that's about I, it. 
No, her body. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her body is still fucking on fleek, but like, um, but her face, like Jesus, dude. I mean, I was like, I was trying to see the, the, you know, it's like you're, you're reaching for it, like, but yeah, like all of her, everything is just so falling down. It's sad. I don't like seeing you like that. Yeah, I know. It's the short hair. If she, I swear, if she had long hair though, she'd still look like hot and attractive but it's just with the buzz cut like what is she Sinead O'Connor it's fucking weird it's really well it's weird. a little longer than that yeah I mean and I'm no it's not it's like it's, it's like not even an inch it's really short it's like <laughs> well the the one punk the one movie where she played a punk rocker uh I like that one a lot where she had the short hair where she was kind of like punkish on the bus and everything that was um yeah, I mean, she's pulled it off before, but I just definitely, I mean, if you think about her when she's like got her long hair and she's, you know, like really fucking all bouncing Downtown around. Heat, D- uh, Downtown Heat, where she played the punk rocker, she looked really good in that when she had the short hair. But yeah, I mean, she's, and I liked her when she had short hair when she was younger and like um, the Marquita Sod one where she played the twins and, and she was a lot younger. Yeah, this was like a 70s. Older, it's like it's not doing anything for you to yeah. like. You, you like give you know i don't know long hair will make you youthful when you're older except on men when men are older and they get long hair they look like grandmas like jimmy page oh, and those yeah. people when they get the long hair you're like whoa you look like an old and then when older women cut their hair it they look like grandpas. It, it works on them it, it all depends you know it yeah. depends what the hairline is how it's how thick it is, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think if you're a man, you have to grow like a beard or a mustache when you have long hair. Because if you don't, you look like an old woman, you know. But I mean, women, long hair, it's kind of like a, it's a youthful thing. I don't know. Yeah, and with women, yeah, having long hair. Because when they cut their hair short, they kind of look like grandpas, you know. And it's not yeah. always the best thing either, yeah. so. I all mean, right, well, the whole thing, like, Sinead was, like, trying to reject being, you know, tr- being turned into, like, a Britney Spears or whatever. She was trying to, like, you know, be like, listen to my voice, not my, but, like, Lena is trying to turn us on. That's her whole thing. Like right. she's trying to be hot. So it's like that's you're not helping like cause there. Yeah. The bus, it's weird. Like you're not G.I. Jane. So okay. <laughs> just just want to rant about that. I don't get it. Like if I, I mean, because she could you can see that she would still look like because whenever she wears wigs, I mean she always looks a million times better. So it's just yeah, get that's it. true. But if she's trying to be all sexy, it's just like what what the fuck was that just everything about this movie was just absurd well speaking of the movie i'm gonna go over a few little notes i have i didn't really write a bunch but it gives us something to kind of talk about uh 12 seconds in you see the first nudity which is that girl with the wigs butt with the with the thigh high boots or she's real short so to her they're like ass high boots um it opens with a jazz painting of the sun um which is cool because in the book, it mentioned that was a painting of the three women who, uh, after Jesus was killed, they're like going to offer gifts or something. It's like a famous painting. I have to look it up. And in, in in the opening section, the Magi. yeah, I, I talk about that. So it's it's really odd. So they they talked about how they should have named that movie after that painting instead of Helter Skelter because it makes no sense. Um, but. I liked like like we talked about. I liked the first two minutes. I liked the jazz. I liked the painting of the sun. Uh, but then it starts going into comic boobs panel. Then it goes to a painting of a butt. 
Uh, and then you see the reflection of the city on the glass door, which is really nice. That lady kind of standing behind the glass door on the balcony and the, the city's reflected on, on her. And it, was, it started off pretty cool. It's like, okay, this might be all right. And then after that, it just went downhill like really, really fast. I- um, yeah. And like they had the uh, repeating verse over and over from the Desaade of the British woman who was not in the film. It's like they just hired somebody. Just poor to- nature. Yeah, and she was really bad. She's just very monotone and just yeah. no, not sexy at all. It was pretty bad. I have uh, the narration was annoying. Um, the looping effect of just keep repeating things over and over the same thing, trying to be cool or I, I don't know what what it was they were trying to go for. But um, I liked the book on the table, the La Tres Caras Terror book that had like a, a Paul Nash's werewolf face on the book that was on the cover on the table. Which That's I thought was cool, kind of cool, but I did not catch it. Yeah, I caught that. Uh, it was a scene where Lena was masturbating with that book in the front, which I was was odd to me. Um, <laughs> we did see a the nasty up in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little nasty, nasty. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we did see the magic tongue and a silhouette scene of Lena kissing a woman. who's like Franco trying to like reach for straws, like he's trying to like throw his stuff in there. Um, a lot of a lot a lot of slow motion, way too much slow motion. That like th- these these periods of way films, way too much slow motion. Yeah, it's like he's it trying to stretch like, it when out. When they're moving, was like yeah, like they was he was just trying to fill time on the fucking like tape. It was yeah, brutal, brutal. And not all these video films, but a lot of them have that slow motion shit. When he does that, it really bugs me. If he does it once or twice, I'm okay. But he does it like just every other fucking scene or every scene in some of these. It's just so repetitious and it's just. Just slow stuff down. And if you put like double speed, then it moves at like a normal pace. So that's kind of a little, you know, thing to help people through. If you want to watch it, do that at least. Um, and I mentioned the masturbating with her boot. She was humping her long white boot, which to me was very odd. And he had that in slow motion of her just gyrating up and down this boot. And I don't know. I, that didn't look very comfortable to me, rubbing herself with that oh. vinyl boot, all the creases yeah, in the no. boot and shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, maybe with some lube, but, I mean, you're going to, you know, run out of your own shit on vinyl. That's like, yeah, vinyl is never a good. Latex is... I always think it's interesting, like, sex shops are all about latex because it's like, it doesn't really work with your juices, you know? Like, it's Yeah, it's like, more of a visual it's look. Like it sucks up. Yeah. But, you know, it's like a condom. Like, they're terrible, you know, for that shit. So, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing to do. Very weird. Yeah, not sexy. I was, yeah, it didn't look like it felt good. Nothing, nothing that they did looked like it felt good. No. Everything they did looked like they were just trying to make, like, it awkward like franco but make it awkward it was just fucking weird yeah and and i was reading some people's letterbox like we were talking about letterbox earlier and and you know a lot of people were like oh my god this movie's really bad and stuff but one person (laughs) said oh it kind of worked for me like you're going through a fever dream and i was like i don't know about that but yeah i'm glad you were able to find a way to (laughs) yeah more like a COVID fucking been really drunk. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, yeah, I was, I mean, that might've helped. Yeah. I can I see what he was trying it. to do, but it's just it's sometimes. Weird, I would have hated this. Yeah. That's nothing, that's nothing could have said like, Oh, this was so bad. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely, it's in my bottom three Franco films, you know? Wow. There's worse. Yeah. 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 
Jeez. It's, well, what do you think is your wor- what do you think is his worst film? Well, one let's see. Well, one from the more modern one was um, I'd say probably uh, uh, maybe. I mean, some of the porn shit was really bad, you know. Um, I'd say maybe. Uh, uh, shit, I don't know. Actually, I mean, oh, this uh, Bangkok appointment of with death. The second one was really bad. Not trip to Bangkok coffin included. Yeah, that one's really bad. And then I'd say. Um, I still love that there's a city called Bangkok, though. I just, forever, <laughs> that is just fucking, whenever I hear that, I, I'll, I'll never not be like a, you know, it sounds like a fart joke, endlessly makes me laugh. Yeah. Bangkok, whenever anybody says that, it's just, it's the silliest fucking thing. Sorry. It'll help and, me remember, though, not to watch that that one. <laughs> and probably two of the ones that this took footage from, Vampire Blues and Dr. Wong's Virtual Hell, those two are really bad. Yeah, I don't think I caught those, and I don't think I want to. I think no. the Doctor Wong. I I know I watched some one of the Doctor Wongs with you, and it wasn't good. But yeah. And then I think, uh, and then going way back, um, Le Le Chantelis, the one he did after Lorna the Exorcist and before Roland. Uh, that one's really bad. It's like it's yeah, that it's the one with the nuns. Yeah, great. it's like one of the nuns ones with the outtakes. And I just, like that one. That's well, there's a, there's a couple he did with nuns, but this one to me was just so fucking boring. I was just like, okay, sick. maybe it's a different one because there was a there was a, I thought it was the Chateau de or whatever because that's one of the ones that I put on in the background when I have you know young boys over. There's La Grande Reduces is good and uh, uh, Celestine and and Lorna the Exorcist and and those are really good. But yeah, that. Le Chantulis. I mean, he's just so. I just was I just that, like. I like that one. I think yeah. that's the one. I like, I'm pretty sure. It, Lena's in it, and it's like they're they're nuns, and there's like different sex. You know, they go through all the church. There's several things. Yeah, it's, that's probably the same one. Times better than what we just watched, though. Yeah, no, watched. I mean, but I'm not saying it's the worst one. I mean, this is, but they, I'd say those are like my bottom four of just like, oh my god, dude, just like I'm 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 cool, you know. Yeah. No more. No more. Um, but yeah, this well, was really like what, like this, you know, made me wonder like if, if Franco was having mental issues or something toward the end, cause it's just, it's really exceptionally bad. Yeah, I know. I think he just had that extra footage and he just decided to try to like make a movie out of just B roll stuff and an idea and try to piece it together and, and stuff. So, I mean, I gave this like half a star on my letterbox out of five, you know, that's, yeah. yeah. That's about what I. I mean, it's not total, total shit trash, but it's just a step above. <laughs> you know, I, I'd give it at least a half a star. I mean, I didn't want to give it no stars, you know. I mean, but, I, I usually, I think, I always thought half a star was as low as you can go because if you just don't start, that's sort of like you're just not rating it. Half a yeah, star. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Yeah. Give. I would give this half a star. Yeah, because you no. have to get at least a half a star is how it works. But yeah, like I no, I don't think there's anything redeeming here, honestly. It was this was garbage. No one should watch this. 
Um, I'm going to go through the Franco list because very, very little was actually on the Franco list, but for uh, prosperity's sake, I'm going to go ahead and finish this up on that. Uh, number one, body of water. Yes, we see a body of water right in the very beginning. Most of this film is all indoor shots, but we see that body of water when she's standing on the balcony. Uh, number two, sailboat. No. Number three, boats. No. Number four, palm trees. No. Uh, number five, jungle sound effects. The only sound effects we have are like birds chirping that he puts over some scenes for some odd reason. Probably just yeah, I did catch that, which was weird. Yeah, he had those in other films. He just probably reusing his like data bank of fucking clips. Um, number six, chained up person. Yeah, you have the guy chained up by Lena for no reason at the end, and then the girl uh, outtakes from Doctor Wong. The Good-looking blonde girl, uh, Rachel Shepard, that's kind of chained, has her hands above her head where she's kind of tied up, uh, like the last 20 minutes or so of it. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage, stripping. Well, no dance scenes on stage, but of course there's lots of stripping in this. Uh, eight, club scenes, people dancing in a bar, couples, no. Nine, jazz music. Now, see, that's one thing about me and you is a little different on this. I actually kind of like the music, even though it's been used before in other films. The, the jazz and saxophone and guitar I thought was okay. No, it's fine. I like it. I mean, like I said, I felt bad to sing Jess's music, but it was just the whole vibe was so like Yeah, that was one it. of the only things I thought was redeemable was the music yeah. in this. It was okay. Yeah, no, I, I liked Jess's music, but I mean, it was just, the whole thing was just such shit. I just yeah. thought it was kind of <laughs> funny to play like, you know, different music over it. Like, well, this sort of improves it. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, that's bad. Uh, number 10, excessive zooms. Yeah. Number 11, out of focus shots. Not really. These video ones, he's pretty decent with that. Uh, 12 mirror shots. Yeah. The one in the beginning that we caught on the, uh, reflection of the city on the door, which is the first two minutes, which is the best part of the whole film. I <laughs> <laughs> just sad to say. Uh, <laughs> Number 13, mind control themes, no. 14, magic tongue scenes, yeah. We see Lena, the magic tongue, silhouette with the other woman. Yeah, and, there's that one shot where her tongue is sticking out really far, and she's like, they're, they're doing like a French kiss thing, but it's it looks like there's, it's it's so unpleasurable looking. Like that's, if somebody kissed you like that, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't feel good. Like no. that's not. Just trying to weird. see if you could t touch the very tips of each other's tongues is what they're trying to do, basically. You know? Yeah. Like, it's like a contest. Not, yeah. Yeah. It's like a thumb <laughs> war, but it's tongue war. Yeah. What are you doing? Like, that's not like no one does that. It's, no. <laughs> uh, number fifth. Well, they, well, they do. Uh, 15 red light. No. Uh, 16 sheepskin rug. No masturbation with a C item. No, but they did masturbate with a boot, but I, that's not a C item. So I can't. Yeah. Yeah. That. I was trying to, when you, when you said that, I was actually trying to think of like a, a cunt. That, that was like, I, was I know. I was like, uh, <laughs> what kind of material is it? Is that? Is it, because the boots go all the way up to her cunt. So it's like, it's yeah, but that's, I guess that's really reaching. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 17, mad scientist and servant, no. 18, fish tank shots, no. Although it's funny when I watch other films and there's fish tank shots, I'll do my little Franco list. Like, oh, there's a fish tank shot. There's a spiral staircase. There's, when I watch non-Franco films, I start catching Franco list on there. Uh, 19, talking parrot, no. 20, in credits, yes or no, yes. 21, handwritten. Oh, the credits, though. What was Clifford Brown Jr.? Yeah, 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 not just Clifford Brown, but now Clifford Brown Jr. Yeah, in the very I love beginning. love that. I love yeah. the junior. <laughs> that, that makes it hot. 
<laughs> I was Ooh, like, that's okay. gonna be my next. You know, I got booted from Letterbox again. They, they always fucking find. Oh me. shit! I know that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I gotta, I gotta make another. I was thinking Clifford Brown Jr. Dude. Yeah, Clifford Brown Jr. The second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, always, I gotta like find it. It's like that's my next porn star name. <laughs> there you go. Uh, handwritten notes or signs? No. Twenty-two spiral staircase shot? No. 23 inept cops, no. 24 belly chains. No, there's no belly chains, but there was belts. A couple scenes, Lena and another one were just wearing belts without any clothes, which I thought was kind of odd. Lena wore this big, like, medallion-looking belt. Yeah, Um, weird. Okay, 25 kinks. That's what I was going to talk to you about. What what kinks are in this film? I mean, the S&M stuff. Yeah. The whips and how she's Foot worship, maybe. Yeah. Bondage. um, I, I mean the dildo. I still can't get over. She like beat her ass with a dildo. Didn't yeah. fuck her with the dildo. Just no. beat her ass with it. Yes. What I would give to see Lena fuck somebody with a dildo. That would be so hot. But yeah, no, I fucking that, yeah. I, I mean, it's uh, it's kinks for people who um, for asexuals. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's just maybe voyeurism, but you can say it with all of his films. I don't know. But like for people who don't like sex. Like this is there's yeah. things you can do other than sex that simulate sex. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, Twenty six great headboards. No. Twenty seven fear or desire. I'd say desire. Maybe fear from watching this movie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fear to watch fear it again. This movie will never end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player, no. 29, reading a book scene, yeah, she reads that book. I had mentioned uh, uh, Le Tres Caras Terror, uh, Paul Nashi on it. And then uh, number 30, pee scene, no, there's no peeing in this movie. And uh, one time I actually wish there was a piss scene and this would be this film. But yeah. maybe, I'll, maybe I'll piss on the DVD before I throw it in the garbage. I don't know. <laughs> Do it. Yeah, exactly. Do it. I'll film it, make it an official Franco film. No. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, and, and, and even the title "Helter Skelter," you read it, and you think it's going to be something kind of cool, and it's just it's just another misleading thing with this film. Oh, it was that was such a cash grab. It's like I'll call it "Helter Skelter," people will buy it just for the title, and then it'll have nothing to do with "Helter Skelter." Yeah. Like, fuck arse, you know. I just, I mean, but yeah, like I, I like. I was like, I'm good. You go have fun and do your shit and just holler at me when you get to Helter Skelter. And this is what I get for that. Now this is like, this is how like my reign ends on, on the Franco Observer. It's fucking terrible. Well, I mean, it's a good title to go out on if this is your last one because it's like Helter Skelter, <laughs> motherfuckers, and you like kill yourself. It's like Helter Skelter. Yeah. You know? It's like the last <laughs> thing. <laughs> so I don't know. I, mean, I guess you kind of look at, look at it that way. It might be a good a good way. You know, and yeah. you save yourself the the further torture of the last couple ones that are really bad. So. <laughs> uh, if you need somebody, I'll, I'll help you out. But okay. oof, that was, gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty bad. So I don't know. I mean, do you have any closing thoughts or comments of anything we haven't spoke about or discussed or besides don't watch this movie, watch anything else besides this? Uh, that, that pretty much summates my feelings, I think. Yeah, I, I think I, of I, anything else. Yeah, I, I I agree with you on that. So, 
Alrighty, well, I know that's kind of a downer note, but uh, it's kind of a downer movie. So sometimes, you know, some days are diamonds, some di- some days are dust, and this is a dust day. So there's the diamonds film. of Kilimanjaro, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Some days are... <laughs> we got no ice here, baby. No ice. Watch the uh, blues to Cali Pop, or watch uh, Vampiros Lesbos, or uh, Eugenie, or Justine, or something. Just See, this year Franco completed. So you have to watch anything else on, yeah. on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I, and even though I've never else, seen any, watch watch Fast <laughs> and the Furious ten before you watch this. That's probably yeah. less torture than this. So. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, Buenas noches, Maha. All right. Cheers. <laughs>